Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 23. This podcast is brought to you by local sponsors and listeners like yourself. If you're interested in sponsorship, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I am a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, I'm Pani Anuel. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. So this episode, we'll be talking about sabbatical. Sabbatical means taking a lengthy, intentional break from a career. The word sabbatical came from Hebrew word sabbath, originated from biblical practice related to agriculture, where people take a year-long break from working the fields every seven years. The first academic sabbaticals were launched by Harvard University in 1880. There's debate about Harvard's rationale for introducing the plan, but the research suggests that sabbaticals were intended for academics to take a year to recharge themselves mentally and physically, to be exposed to new ideas that they could then incorporate into their own research and to pursue research and writing projects that would be difficult to complete with the day-to-day interruptions and demands of a normal academic year. The sabbatical was viewed as benefiting both the professor and the institution. The professor would recharge and the university would reap the new ideas and energy of the returning professor. Thank you, Lucy, for the nice introduction. Actually, I had no idea that the first sabbatical started from Harvard University. Well, as you all know, I haven't even been tenured, let alone thinking about sabbatical. So maybe I'll start asking some questions from you both to learn more about the whole process. So can you tell me a little bit about who's eligible for sabbatical? Ideally, one should check the faculty handbook for the sabbatical guidelines for his or her institution. However, typically a faculty member applies for sabbatical after serving as a full-time faculty member for six or more years at the university. Then depending on the faculty handbook, the faculty member is eligible for one semester with full academic pay or two semesters with half academic pay. It's extremely important to note that the details may differ between universities So I recommend as best practice to check the faculty handbook for your university. So Kim, you mentioned two typical options that's been offered by most universities. How does one decide which one to choose? Yeah, that's a a good question. So realistically, most people choose just based on their financial situation. Some people may decide I can't afford to lose half of the pay, so I can't do one year on sabbatical. In that sense, they would just do one semester to keep the full pay. Realistically, I've had friends that really just, it's a financial constraint. Other faculty members who are more senior, they would choose the full year. Then we'll talk about a little bit later where some faculty members apply for a fellowship that would allow them to do one year and then the university pays one half and then their fellowship will pay the other half. So in that case, you have the best of both worlds. Ah, well, so that's, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, so you don't lose. And as you said, you have the best of both worlds. 
maybe before we, I guess, talk more about those opportunities. So what's the main benefit and purpose of sabbatical? So earlier I mentioned that sabbatical original intention, very likely the original intention was to make the time to kind of rejuvenate and have new ideas while you're away from everything. So in modern days, it really means self-improvement. So you give yourself some time to kind of reflect and try to improve yourselves by creating new ideas. And then the obligation is that you come back, right, to the institution. So in that sense, it's really a benefit that the university give all the faculty by being here, by have served a certain number of years. And it's also viewed as an investment for the future and for the future of the faculty and the institution. So as a faculty, as you're going out and creating new opportunities for research collaboration and gaining new perspectives, and it's a really a way to reduce any potential burnout that we all experience all the time. So oftentimes that is so needed, especially nowadays. That was interesting. So I didn't know that it comes with some obligations. So you have to come back and serve your institutions, right? After sabbatical, that's... I think that also goes with different institutions. Some institutions require that you must come back the, immediately within whatever periods that you're taking the sabbatical. Some don't really institute that policy at all. So they feel like you've had already served those six years or whatever, yes. how long you earned it. It's a benefit. Yes. So I actually haven't seen a lot of this, you know, obligation terms that comes with sabbatical yeah. uh, at the places I worked. So it yeah. depends. And you also, you pointed out that it's a time to, you know, self-reflect and start working on yourself and improve. Is that a good time to start a new area and at the, in terms of the research or this is not a good option for sabbatical? I think it's fine if, as long as you feel like you're going into a new direction. A lot of these research collaborations could be new, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're working with someone else whom you haven't worked with before, you pick up some new ideas from each other. So I think that's really up to the individual. So for me, when I did mine, so I know my host beforehand. I didn't know them very well, but I, I know their work. So we worked on collaborations. So we worked on new projects. I think that's really up to the individual on how you want to design, how you want the outcome to look like during sure, this yeah. period. That makes sense. Thank you. Another question is, how do you decide about the place and the time? Obviously, after six years, you have that you can take your sabbatical, but you can delay it maybe after seven years or eight years. But how do you choose the good time and place? So for me, I started thinking about sabbatical options after my third year review when I was assistant professor, because I knew it was coming up. And, you know, usually when the application rolls around, you're frantic and you're trying to figure things out. And so I just didn't want to have that last minute. I'm taking sabbatical just because I can and not really plan it out. 
because I knew that being on a tenure track was very stressful. And so for me, it was very important to go to a place that was in a very nice city. And it was also important for me to go to a place that felt like home, that was going to be supportive of the research. And I was also looking for more mentors, you know, in my research field. I think you have to think about what's important for you. As Lucy mentioned, what are the goals for your own sabbatical? And so that's kind of how I chose. For me, I completed my sabbatical at Howard University in Washington, D.C. So it was a, a big city and it was at a historically black college and university. And it was a contrast from where I was coming from, RPI, where, you know, I was in a smaller town. The diversity was different, the makeup, the composition of the students, it was completely different. And I was looking for something that was different because like we talked about earlier, you want to spark new ideas, you know, you want to have creative energy. And, and so I just wanted to remove myself and bring myself to a totally different place. In terms of the time, I wanted to, since I knew my goal was to go, you know, besides do the academic research. So I feel like the place and time is so personal, it's really hard to come up with a, a script for it. So I think you have to really think about what your goals of the sabbaticals are and then go from there. So you mentioned that you started from your third year review. What did you mean by starting? What did you do to get you to that wonderful place when you were tenured? So I started going to conferences and well, I was going to conferences the whole time, but then my intention for going to the conference shifted a bit. So I actually started intentionally going to minority serving conferences, learning about what each institution or what each university offered. And so I intentionally did that. So that's an example of like what I started doing. So what did you do in those conferences then? So I gave talks. And so for how I got the Howard position was I gave a talk at a NIN conference. And afterwards, one of the faculty members from Howard University, Gary Harris, he came up to me and was like, wow, you're doing great work. There's some overlap that I'm currently doing at Howard University and there's a young scientist and actually you met that scientist. It was Dr. Tina Broward Thomas. And so he said, I think you should come and do a sabbatical. I, I think you'll be impressed with, you know, the resources that we have. And I went and I gave the seminar and they gave me a tour of the resources and the labs and the clean rooms and the collaborators. I was impressed. And I said, you know, I think I want to come back. And he made it happen. That's impressive. I didn't think that these conferences, they might lead to sabbatical opportunities. So <laughs> I think that's really the one thing. A lot of things you can't plan. I mean, you yes. can be very intentional, but you can't really plan on things to really happen. Right. So you make efforts along certain you know, for a certain goal and then without much like expectation, really. But yeah. once you get there, gradually things will just happen, right? Fall into places. Yeah. I love it. I think um, overall, you know, where you do the sabbatical, how you find your 
sabbatical location or whatever it is. It's, it's all about networking. It's as yes. part of the networking as you're establishing yourself in whatever field. You go to all these conferences and it's just all about the people you know, the places you've been to. And if you found this perfect place, lucky enough to found this perfect place to do your sabbatical or whatever future that comes, you're one of the lucky ones. So I think, you know, they're not easy to come by. Sometimes I see people do sabbatical and then it's like, oh, okay, you know, okay, I've yeah. been there. It's, that's really it. So, yeah. So how about you, Lucy? How did you plan for your sabbatical? Oh boy. I had an entirely opposite approach <laughs> compared to Kim. <laughs> I had my tenure. That's when I was pregnant. So <laughs> It wasn't like sabbatical wasn't even in my mind uh, until two kids came out and I said, oh, I guess now it's time to think about a sabbatical. I'm losing time if I don't, right? Because your clock restarts as soon as you take one. So when my kids, my daughter, my second kid was half a year old, I said, oh, maybe I should do something. So I didn't plan anything. I had a very good friend in Japan who's in Osaka. And he said, do you want to apply this Japanese fellowship? It's called JSPS. So this is an organization. It's very similar to NSF, the National Science Foundation in the US. So they're very similar in that sense. And then they support international collaboration and they support short-term and long-term. So the long-term are usually like two, three years, you know, one to three years. And the shorter terms are for like three months or, you know, from one month all the way to six months or something like that. And so he said, you want to apply for that? So you have to have a host. You have to identify a host before you do that, before you send in the application. So he did that for me. So he actually filled out all the forms for me and I really appreciate it. It's a lot of work. And he submitted it and I got a package one day. It said, I got the fellowship. It's actually a very prestigious fellowship. Wow. And I said, there you go, I'm going. So that's how that's, everything happened. That's amazing. So it goes back to your point about networking. So yeah. you need to network. But that was interesting. Thank you both for sharing. So you brought up some points about fellowship. So are there any funding opportunities for sabbaticals, like typical opportunities that one should know about? Yes. Yeah, so the one that I see most often is the Fulbright Fellowship. And there's so many different types of Fulbright fellowships that I won't try to go through the different type. But most importantly, what I've seen is some of them are, are very flexible in terms of how they make their award. So for example, some of them may pay the institution directly. So you can take the sabbatical and then they route your funds directly through the university so that you can keep all your benefits, et cetera. And then others allow you to be paid directly. And in most cases, I've seen faculty members take the option of, remember, as I said earlier, you could do one full year for half pay. So this will be an example where you would do a full year, 
get half pay and then use possibly your Fulbright fellowship and have the Fulbright pay the other half of your salary, for example. And so most often faculty members will do that. So they will go abroad and still be able to maintain a full year of their nine month salary. So that's one example. But of course, I, I definitely urge you to go to the Fulbright website and read all of the requirements. There's so many, but it's such a prestigious fellowship and it's a great opportunity. And I also, I think all these opportunities are constantly being updated or changing. So I think you always want to really plan ahead of time because competitive ones, extremely competitive ones like Fulbright, they have certain deadline that's way before your application of or sabbatical even begins. So you really have to think ahead and plan ahead and kind of scope out what you want to do and then find the right match and then start the application. So if somebody now we are at this stage that they started their sabbatical, so they have either full support or everything is worked out and they are starting their sabbatical. How can they make the most out of it? What they should do? What are the do's and don'ts? <laughs> so this is an interesting question. When I got to my sabbatical and before I arrived, I made a list and had a list of all of the goals. My list included, I'm going to write five articles. I'm going to do experiment Y and explore X. I'm going to develop a new area of material science. I'm going to apply for a patent and I'm going to apply to start a business. <laughs> and I went back, revamped my list and wrote some more realistic goals. And I changed five articles to one, <laughs> you know, I scratched out that I, instead of developing a new area of material science, I was just going to read about the new area. And then I added other things to the list that were realistic. I'm going to eat some great food and I'm going to do a lot of outreach. I'm in DC. I'm going to be at a historically black college and university. I'm going to use this opportunity to reach out to the community. So I did outreach at different high schools, talked about STEM. I participated on what was called the Nano Express. And it was like this big truck that had different pieces of STEM equipment inside. And so the high school students would come on the truck and I would talk to them about the electron microscope that we had on there and got them excited, right? About wanting to go to college, going to HBCU. So I basically, my point is, I started out with this very, all of these lofty goals. And I realized that I'm gonna stress myself out, which is the exact opposite of the purpose of the sabbatical. I'm supposed to be relaxed and creative energy and juices flowing. And once I scaled down that list to more realistic goals, I really enjoyed my sabbatical. So I think that to make the most of your sabbatical, you really have to define very realistic goals. I love that how you touched uh, refined goals. <laughs> they had an aspect of you in there that taking care of yourself and going seeing museums and you know have enjoying different type of local foods or whatever that you were trying i've been hearing a lot from my colleagues that they have 
goals of yeah publishing x amount of papers but nobody says i'm gonna refresh and i'm gonna take care of myself i'm gonna do something that i enjoy doing which i think it's it's important for all of us and we don't have to wait six years or seven years for it to happen but this is a good opportunity not to ignore it so so how about you lucy did you make the most out of your sabbatical did you enjoy good food i enjoyed every minute every second of my japan trip wow and i had no plan i now i'm you know i always thought i'm a good planner now i'm thinking no I, <laughs> i'm like extremely disorganized at this point but anyway i had no plan no agenda my goal was to go there and experience anything that I could possibly can, right? So that was my goal. My goal is to be there and just try to grab every place and every second of my time there. Yeah. And I did. And I did. I had no plan. I don't think I published any papers out of that. But, you know, with my collaborator, we're still writing papers together now. So who cares yes. if it happened like six years later, right? I was there enjoying the local foods with even within Japan, every city has its own culture, has its own food. And so I enjoyed that. And same thing with museums. It was all very serendipitous findings. So I didn't want to intentionally go there to look for museums, but I stumped into one. I think some of the students took me there and that experience, I spent hours and hours reading all the descriptions word for word just learning, absorbing the, the history of the city, of the country, and where they got to where they are, and how, I tell you, that amazing enrichment is way beyond writing a paper or two or 10. That goal of writing papers or whatever it is, is endless. There's no end to it, mm -hmm. right? But your sabbatical has a time limit. So Listen, yeah. this is my advice. Enjoy as much as you can during the sabbatical. Don't make a lot of New Year resolution type of goals before you, before you take off. It's meaningless. It takes the fun out of sabbatical. We talked about, I guess, application process once when somebody arrives and do their sabbatical. How about after sabbatical? Are there any obligations attached to going on sabbatical? Check your faculty handbook because usually the faculty handbook will tell you what the expectations are when you return. And one of the ones that I found common is that you have to write like a summary report highlighting your sabbatical experiences. And this usually goes to maybe the dean of the college or maybe to the provost's office, it just depends on how your university is structured. And some people tend to blow these reports off like, eh, you know, it's not a big deal. I found that these reports are very important. Now, let me tell you why I'm going to lower my voice as if I'm telling the secret. But it turns out that the next time you go on sabbatical, there's a tendency for them to read the previous sabbatical report. It's not mandatory that they read it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's optional, right? But one thinks because remember, administrators have to make a decision. If Lucy goes on sabbatical, I'm, I have to find somebody to replace her, I have to hire a lecturer, I have to do an adjunct. Let me check 
what she did on her last sabbatical was she productive is it is it worth it from a, you know what do i really get back if lucy goes on sabbatical and i have to pay you know x amount of dollars for a lecturer while she's gone and if you take that report seriously then guess what you've basically made your case for your second sabbatical because <laughs> they're going to say lucy she established a business she published five papers <laughs> She invented a new area of material science. <laughs> I'm going to give her this sabbatical, right? Two so, sabbaticals. <laughs> she would get the Nobel Prize after yes, that. She would get the Nobel Prize. But you, you see, I mean, we're making light of this, but you understand what I'm saying, that it's important that you come back, you write the summer report, you take it seriously, you highlight the research goals that you had, you turn it in, and just consider it as a piece of evidence. Or think of it as a track record so that the next time in six years, when you go up, they'll know that your sabbatical was worth it, that you did some productive things. And then it just makes it easier for the dean or the provost or the president to approve your sabbatical. Oh, thank you so much. I think both of you shared wonderful memories and highlights of your sabbatical. I hope that whoever is going or planning for their sabbatical they come back with these memorable moments and make the most out of their sabbaticals thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this conversation find us at thisacademiclife.org or follow us on facebook you can listen to our latest episodes on itunes spotify amazon music or google Podcasts. please rate us we welcome any feedback or suggestions for future episodes. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.